Mastercast, the official podcast of Games Master Magazine. My name is Robin Valentine. I'm the production editor on the magazine. I'm joined, as ever, by Ben Griffin. Who... Hello! Ha! My energy in the room. <laughs> wow, that wow. wasn't forced at all, was it? Ben Griffin, senior <laughs> staff writer, seems to have become hysterical already. Sh- as a senior staff writer, I should know better, but I don't. At Game Griffin. Frankly, you're behaving more like a junior staff writer right now, I'd say. <laughs> a preschool. Uh, uh, yeah. Staff writer. And I'm also joined by Mr. Matt Gilman. Hello there. The editor on the magazine. Yes, that's me. Now, on the last episode, we did promise something to our listeners. And I think it's important to keep to our promises. Ben, do you agree? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know where this is going, but yep. Last episode, we promised that we talk about Final Fantasy XV. Yes. Because uh, Mr. Matt Gilman uh, went out to play a certain amount of it. Uh, Quite a lot of it. Quite a lot of it. Yes. Um, Essentially, I played the first three chapters of the game. Uh, in terms of like the story, that's that. If 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 I had just stuck to just the story, it probably wouldn't have taken that long. Um, But I didn't do that. I explicitly avoided the story at all costs, so that I could explore the. The open world, because uh, Final Fantasy fans will know that compared to the like fairly linear um, offerings of past Final Fantasy games, this is Final Fantasy Fifteen is a open world game. It's vast. It's huge. You get this massive landscape to explore, and I think the the, the one kind of uh, example of just how big this game is is um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of fans out there of the, of the franchise will have played. Uh, the demo of, of Final Fantasy XV, the episode episode Dusk Guy, which came packaged with uh, Final Fantasy Type Zero uh, a while back now, about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Yeah, it feels like it was, that's a, while, it was, it was a while ago. Um, and um, in that demo, you got to explore quite a quite a big mass of uh, of of the land of of the Dusk Guy region. Um, and when I uh, got into chapter, I think it's cha- the start of chapter three. Of, of of the game, the world map starts to open up a lot more. In fact, chapter three is called the open world, and I opened up the menu, zoomed out of the world map, and that region from the demo, which was huge and kept people occupied for like, you know, like about ten hours or whatever, to to you know tick off all the little bits and bobs that you can you can crack into there, was the smallest fraction of this vast map that was waiting to be explored. I mean, massive. Like, it's hard for me to kind of sum up just how big is a world this is. Is it like a fingernail on a hand? Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. then this is the other thing. Like, that's only what what I've seen of the world map so far. Like, presumably, once you get into chapter four, five, six, seven, eight, however many chapters there are, mm. more chunks of the world map open up. I'm, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I can't it's under the fog. But fog of war. Um, yeah, there's this sense of like, like at the start of the game, you leave. Uh, you leave a big city behind you, the city of insomnia, which is kind of like it's got this Midgar feel to it. If anyone's ever played Final Fantasy VII, it's got this kind of, kind of c- cyberpunk kind of feel of like oppression and slums, but at the same time, lots of lots of kind of high kind of uh, like lots of, there's lots of class classism going on in there as well. But anyway, it might, it might it reminds me a bit of um, the Four uh, City in Four. What's it called? Asgard in, fi- in Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, I guess I think like it's much more. You know how like in in the early Final Fantasy games, and then in in, in in nine and in fourteen as well, you had this kind of very fantastical, kind of medieval kind of tone to things. Mm. Um, and then in in seven, eight, uh, and in I think in ten to a certain extent, there was much more of a kind of cyberpunky feel, or like a kind of 
certainly in terms of architecture, it was much more varied and, and much more kind of forward-facing futuristic styles were, were, were used a lot more. And then this feels like a, a much closer amalgamation of both of those things. So it's got like swords that feel like they they should exist in this world. And then it also has like guys with automatic rifles and machine guns. And it has like giant uh, like toads that like jump out at you from lakes or like chocobos. And it's weird how it kind of all uh, <laughs> all all seems to fit. Like I think in the preview in the in the feature that we've got in the issue, um, the, I think it was the director of the film was talking about how one of the things they set out to do was make these like crazy fantastical elements of Final Fantasy feel like they could exist. Like part of that in the game is like where they've uh, they, they they have references to real world stuff. So like the car you drive is an Audi and it looks like an Audi. Oh, I like that. Or like the there's there's references in magazines that you find on on in shops to like uh, the latest Vivian Westwood like fashion fashion show or something. Oh, of course that, or, that um, lady protagonist. I forgot her name. Lightning. Uh, Luna. Maybe? Luna. Lightning. Um, Lightning. Yeah, you're thinking of a star of Versace ad. That yeah, that was a Lightning. She was the main was... character from Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Thirteen. Fun lightning no returns to, uh, yeah. to real life fashion I, and I do love that clash between mm. like the real life and and the fantasy. I, yeah. I like that. That that, that whole thing was so weird though. For anyone who didn't see it, it was a uh, uh, lightning from Final Fantasy was interviewed for it was a particular fashion magazine, wasn't it? Was about it her love of yeah. handbags, mm. and she was actually in the marketing campaign. So you'd go to a uh, Tokyo, and there's a massive billboard with her holding. Mm. Like, I think it was a Versace bag. Yeah, it was very. Like it was very I think th- thirteen yeah. did do a lot more. Uh, like. It, it, I mean, thirteen was kind of derided as as being like far far too linear um, yes. in the West, but like in Japan, it, it still did did really well. People really liked it, so mm. it's, it's an odd one there. But like fifteen is um, very much feels like a um, a response to the criticisms of, of thirteen. Can you go where you want and do what you want? You can, you can. You see a mountain in the in the distance and go towards it. You can, yes. <laughs> wow. Like, um, th- you might run out of fuel. <laughs> That's that, that is something what that happened to me. So, so. Sorry, I just said fool. fool. Um, there, there are lots me, of fools. Let me clarify. Uh, fuel. Uh, fuel. Yeah. So, you have a car and you drive around in it, and yeah, you can run out of fuel as you're as you. So, like one of the first things I did upon reaching this open world section was like, right, okay, I'll set a set a waypoint or whatever on my map, like at the furthest possible location, and just drive there. And just see what I see, um, and then, uh, I mean, you can stop on the way and fill up at, uh, at petrol stations. I didn't know that because, mm. like, I hadn't even clocked that there was a fuel t- fuel meter at the bottom of the screen. I was too busy looking at lovely mountain ranges and forests and stuff. This like happens that. to Matt in real life as well. It really does, uh, you know. But um, yeah, so I ran out of fuel and I had to get out and start pushing it, pushing this car to the next next petrol station. And like to get there, it, I mean. It would have taken me hours of pushing this car, and you've got like the car radio on, and then there's like bants going on between the four protagonists. You've got the car as if that's yeah, but, oh, I've got the but, car radio on. But it is it is properly dull, and you're just like, pushing <laughs> this car, and and uh, there is actually a um, it's kind of a fast travel system, but not in that like you, and I don't know if this will be the case in the final game. I I suspect there will be some tweaks to it by the time it comes out, but in the version I was playing. You could fast travel to your car, wherever it is, and you could fast travel to the last place you stopped to refuel or to camp, and you, or or you can pay someone to come and tow your car back to um, oh, the yeah. repair yard, which which is 
miles away. So yeah. you could be like a full, you could have driven for like 14 minutes straight in like a, a line across the map to the other direction, not reached the f- extreme farthest point, run out of fuel. This is what happened. Run out of fuel and then you've got to call this mechanic, Cindy, back at Hammerhead, which is one of the first outposts you reach in the game, and say, yeah, I've kind of broken down. And then she comes and picks you up and it's like fast travel, loading screen. But then you're back miles away. <laughs> Fair to say that that's in keeping with the spirit of a road trip because a road trip's a definitely point going like, from A to B. It's not like um, this, this meant is, to be a sandbox where you just keep going back. This and is forth. the thing. This is the thing. Right? I remember when we were talking about The Witcher Three, and like I remember you specifically, Robin, telling me, "Don't fast travel. Actually, travel around the world because it might, you know, you, you might feel like oh, but you're just boring. Just I just want to get to the thing that I'm aiming for and complete the mission and finish it and check it off the list. But what's actually uh, the 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 lure of that world is traveling through it and seeing what you see along the way mm, and yeah. and because there are these risks involved with traveling around this huge space in a car running out of fuel you get this real sense of 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 just how big it is and, and because there's no fast travel to say like okay I've been to this place I'll just fast travel there you have to drive there there are there there, there were semi frequent things happening on the way so like there there'll be conversations happening with the other other uh, people in the car, or there'll be like side missions that pop up. Like um, some of the characters have like individual skills. Like Prompto has a photography skill, so he might see something in the distance, be like, "Oh, can we go and get a selfie there?" And you'll all bomb out the car and you know pull pull over, bomb out the car, and then just run over and get a oh, that's get a cool. photograph of the of the group like, uh, oh, like in front of a, a, a landmark or whatever, that's and lovely. then just get back in the car and carry on your way. But like because you're having to. In, I want to say the word endure is the wrong word because it's still fun, but because you're having to go through this process of actually traveling from place to place, it's not something that's just push a button, fast travel, and you're there. Like I say, you 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 get this real appreciation of of the place of uh, of of it feeling like a real place and like that you, that you actually have to spend time moving through. Have you seen The Martian? Yes, the Matt Damon Matt Damon film, film where he's stuck on Mars. Yes. Um, he before he goes out on a big road trip. There's no spoilers here. It's just generally what happens in the film. He has to kit out his rover and like get all his supplies ready because he mm. knows it's going to be a long drive. I like the idea of that. Final Fantasy, you have to make sure you got your petrol. Mm. You have to make sure you got your weapons because there's no going back. Yeah. And then okay, now we now we go on a big drive. Like yeah. That. At one point, whilst I was playing, I I um I uh, went into a dungeon. So there are like when you're exploring, there are things that it it kind of feels like a and it kind of feels like a Bethesda RPG in that there are things that you can discover that you're not necessarily meant to discover or, or that they're just there. They just happen to be there. And like when I first started playing, I think it was in the middle of chapter two, I found this dungeon called the Belove Mines or Belove Mines, something like that. And uh, yeah, it was a dungeon. There was no reason to go in there beyond I'm just exploring. But I went in anyway. And uh, I went down like three different levels. And... It, I must have spent like two hours just like knocking about in this dungeon, just looking around and and uh, and fighting just the monsters that were in there and gathering the stuff in there. And by the time I'd been in there and like I was coming out, I was running out of like because you can craft magic spells and, and and there are healing items and things like that. It had that very old school RPG feel of like I'm running out of stuff. I need to go back to like a town somewhere or like or like to an outpost to resupply on stuff before I go on to the next place. But you've still got to get back out of the dungeon. There's no like, oh, I'll just hit. It's not like escape. Like escape it's, exactly. As that's yeah. the thing. And you don't just hit your escape. You've got, you've always got in the back of your mind, 
like, shall I push on and carry on exploring this place that I'm in, or shall I head back? And I think the thing that, that kind of decided it for me was when, I think I was like level 15 at that point, and I bumped into like a level 55 monster that just like completely obliterated one of the characters in like one attack. I was like, okay, time to turn back. Yeah. But the game didn't just like, it, it wasn't like there was a locked door or anything that I just couldn't go through. I mean, there was later on, <laughs> but like you get a sense that there's some kind of story thing behind there or something that, that maybe you you come back later and there's something else to discover. Sounds very but, RPG-like. Uh, like yeah, finding yeah. a dungeon that you're not leveled for and then coming leveling up, coming back. Yeah. And smacking everyone about. And, and like, like Dragon's Dogma or something. I was like, gonna say Dragon's Dogma. You, you get this sense, yeah. you get this sense of a, a world that's just there whether you're there or not. Mm, which is really, that. which is really, that, that, really good. That sense, I, I, I'm not sure I've ever had a, an RPG experience quite like the sense in Dragon's Dogma of like, like going, going off to explore this dungeon mm. is a trip. This is an adventure yeah. I'm going to go on and then like, as you say, like you run out of supplies, and like it's getting dark, and then you're you're tracking on your way back, and there's a, and you like you just see the city in the distance, and mm. you're like, oh my god, I'm I'm home, mm. like and if, if and then a bat lifts you up and drops you off a cliff, mm. that also happens. Well, one of the other things about Final Fantasy 15, I should say as well, is when you're when you're out adventuring, you don't level up, like you don't get get stronger just by fighting stuff. You get stronger, what? you get stronger by fighting stuff and then camping. So when you camp, oh. all your experience that you've gathered. You you earn it and then it all you ding 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 you level up. That's how the human body works. D- uh? it, it, repa- <laughs> it repairs itself. <laughs> that Let me explain. That Let threw me, explain. me completely. Hold on, hold on. Griffin wait, might actually wait, have something okay. of sense to go say on, here. The human on. body repairs itself over sleep. So you go to the gym or whatever, uh, and you you kind of destroy your body. That's what's happening. You're you're breaking down your body at mm. the gym, and then overnight it repairs itself, and then you actually wake up stronger. If you never went to sleep, you would never level up in a sense. So wow. That's quite, very pro- that's quite profound. Yeah, it's quite insightful, yeah. actually. Thanks, Griffin. So always go to sleep, readers, uh, listeners. Don't always go to sleep. Well, only go to sleep during <laughs> appropriate sleeping hours. <laughs> go to sleep for a third of your life in, in total. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, Not all at once, though. Not all at once. No, no. <laughs> oh, God. Just, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> sleep normally, please. <laughs> Don't hibernate. Uh, anyway, um, carry on. What was, what was I saying? You're talking about sleeping. Uh, camping, camping, and, camping, and, yeah. and I want to hear about the cooking. Right, this, yeah. This game has so, some of the nicest sounding oh, and looking food it's I've ever seen. In the game. So oh, there's, lovely. there's, so there are four members of your party. Like I say, Prompto is your, is your ph- photography man. Uh, you've got um, Gladio, who is uh, a kind of survivalist. He helps you gather like different um, items from the world, and then it, did he make you drink your own wee? Or? He doesn't. He helps. <laughs> he does like <laughs> train you up, from? like for uh, Bear Grylls endurance. and another uh, survivalist. Oh, okay. No, there's no weed drinking involved. At least not in the first three. Did you ever play the Bear Grylls game? I did not. Born Survivor. You could uh, you could wee in a snake skin and then drink it. <laughs> was th- what was this on? What it was yeah. on uh, Xbox 360, I think. Yeah, he oh. does that, doesn't he? It was a uh, it was a sort of adventure game where you played Bear Grylls and there was this really terrible voiceover and he'd be like, "It's it's getting dark. I'm going to need to drink my own wee," and you'd have to drink your own wee. Oh. Anyway, sorry, Matt. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that um, really is relevant to the conversation. Yeah. But, um, no, there's no wee. No. Uh, do, uh, do continue. Sorry, I haven't thrown you off there, have I? Whoa. You can make you can make Noctis. toast. Noctis. You can make toast. Noctis. Wait, let's. We'll get to the toast. Okay. We'll oh, get to the toast. Hurry up. Get to the toast. Uh, Noctis is uh, fi- fishing. That's his skill. Yeah. Right. Ignis is your boy for toast. He is okay. uh, his skill it's is boy, his cookery, and like and he um he uh, basically takes the ingredients you earned during your travels mm. and in it, when you camp at night you get like this little menu pop, pop up like what would you like to 
What would you like Ignis to cook for you? And the food just looks phenomenally delicious. Like that's me slapping it's, it's ludicrous. And and he'll just kind of stand there like thinking, hmm, hmm, what I make until you choose what you want. Um, and yeah, he can make toast. And the toast looks amazing. The toast looks amazing. Do they call it flame grilled bread? No, they call it flame flame, grilled, flame roasted flame, roast, uh, flame toast. roasted toast, flame yeah. roasted which toast. implies that they make the toast and then flame roast it afterwards, which I think is a mm. ludicrous concept. In-depth process. Toast. Well, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> there were some others that were like oh, looks like, amazing, like steamed. Uh, uh, there were like there's like there's like oil drizzled uh, f- steamed fish steaks yeah. and and mm. like uh, dagger quill uh, dagger quill rice barbecue steaks and stuff. Oh. There's like uh, yeah, there's dagger quill rice as well. It looks it's pretty three D, isn't it? It's amazing. Is it a three D model? You can. It, yeah, it's not like you can zoom in around. It's not like you can go into the food and like, no. oh, look at it. It's just like it's just like a plate that's put in front of you, but it looks amazing. It reminds me of um, uh, remember in The Sims when I'm talking about old Sims games, but like when you'd make food in the <laughs> Sims, <laughs> and, it, yeah, and it'd be on a plate and it'd be like a sort of a texture on a plate. Yeah. It's like that, but like next gen, yeah, <laughs> next gen food <laughs> textures. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks extremely no, delicious. It, it is nice, and and. and as I was saying, like you, you, the other thing as well about about fifteen is this, and we were talking about Dragon's Dogma before. You ever get that sense when you're play, train, playing Dragon's Dogma, and like you have your uh, pawn, right? It's like a character you create, and who's like your your buddy through the whole thing. He's like, or she is like um, your like constant companion as you adventure through the game. So like, if they climb up a griffin and start attacking them, they're like, yeah, go for it, yeah. Well, in in fifteen, you have like it, you have Noctis, who's the character you control, and then you have his three. Uh, like guys, like his royal retinue or whatever, his bodyguards, his bros, his bros, and um, on top. and the, the the degree of like in combat, especially the degree of like animation, like the, the the work that's gone into like animating these guys to like bounce off each other, is is amazing. So like, you'll have uh, I had one fight where like this saber tusk, which is like this kind of dog cat like saber tooth like monster thing, like leapt into the air at Noctis and prompted just like kind of sh- like coolly. Just like shot it out of the air, and like that's all just like just happening. It's not like programmed in. It's it or, or like it wasn't 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 like a preordained event. Like this thing will jump at you at this time, and this will happen. It was just a random occurrence during combat, and he just kind of poof, and then like did had some kind of quip ready to kind of roll out like got your back, bro, or something, and and. Like as you're running around here fighting, they'll, they'll just randomly kind of do something like that, and then just fist bump and be like, "Yeah," or or just like congratulate each other, or like pick each other up, or or like pat each other on the back, or just like, Ooh, or it's just... all very macho. It is a bit. It yeah, is a bit. I, I, it does much as uh, uh, the game's had a bit of flack for its sort of all male, all male sort of central cast, mm-hmm. but the the more we've seen of it, the more the the sort of the friendship between the four buds. Mm. There is definitely something like there's something really attractive to that idea of like four buddies traveling across across this fantasy yeah. world in their car, like high fiving and fist bumping and stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it, there is a really infectiously like charming atmosphere to all of that stuff, and I think like yeah. the fact that you don't have just like instant fast travel and stuff. I mean, presumably part of the reason you have those long car journeys is so you can really get to know those guys. And, mm-hmm. and, and um... I do, I do hope that when. When the final game is out, and I'm, I do wonder, like, because obviously they delayed it by a couple of months, I do wonder if a lot of the work is going into making making those journeys, a, those longer journeys, a bit more fleshed out, like having the having the dialogue occur a little bit more frequently, right. or or things like that. Because so one of the things that I noticed, I mean, I drove around in this open world a lot for a long time. 
I never had dialogue like repeating. I never had things like the same things happening twice, like going yeah. to take the same photo twice, or like, or or uh, or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I do wonder if they're just like fleshing that out a little well, bit more. It's a bit of a departure from the series, right? To only have to have a set party of characters that can't be swapped in and yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, you do have guests. You have guest characters who mm. pop into your party at certain occasions. I had the guy called Core. Who was like, uh, cool, cool, blimey, uh, who, uh, popped along to help with one of the boss fights on, at the end of chapter two. And, uh, this is when I was like level, level 18, 19, and he was like level 35. He just came in and just, it, it was like that Sephiroth scene in Final Fantasy VII where he comes into your party, is already like doing, doing like 9999 damage or whatever. And you're just like, wow, this guy. This, this guy. guy doesn't turn out to be evil. Yeah. Well, hmm. Oh. Uh, I don't think he does, but who knows? Oh, that's a spoiler as well. well. I mean, I don't know. Wow, I don't actually know. I was referring to Sephiroth, but well, yeah, but um, I don't know about Corey. Ares dies. Anyway, carry on. <gasps> Shock. Jesus. We, I think we've already spoiled that like two or three times on this podcast. Well, yeah. we can't stop talking about it. I think about that every day. Mm, still, yeah, weighs heavy on your heart. Exactly. Uh, Matt. Yes. Would you say? This Final Fantasy is a good one for me, a Final Fantasy person who's never been... Can I start that question again? You may. I've never played a Final Fantasy game. Will I like this one? Okay. I also have that question. Okay, so I think yes. I think that a lot of the... It's it's weird because I think there are a lot of things that existing Final Fantasy fans are going to love. I think there are a lot of things that existing Final Fantasy fans will be a bit unsure about at the start. Like the combat system especially, I think, is is ideal for newcomers in that it's not like this turn-based like stop-start thing. It's real-time. It's got this kind of action game feel to it. There's a lot of Twitch combat-based stuff going on. So, like, uh, a good example is there, there, there are these, there are these, like, undead samurai things called, called Ronin who are in the, in the, a lot of the, like, dungeons that I was playing through. And you, you have to watch their animations. You have to watch what they're doing to be able to respond to them. So there's a parry system in, in the Dark game. Souls. Well, it's a bit looser and a bit kind of faster and a bit less. Could this be the one game considered. we don't compare to Dark Souls? Uh, I guess it's the closest, but like, it, it, it's much less weighty and considered than Dark Souls. It's much more Twitch. It's much mm. more like, I guess, I guess closer to, but not quite as refined as like Bayonet or Bayonet, something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, so like you'll you'll see the guy charge up his one attack. Uh, and then you'll press the dodge button to be able to dodge it, or you'll you'll press the the button at the exact right time to be able to parry it. And if you do parry it, you then get another prompt to push uh, the combo button, which will have one of your one of your buds kind of wail in on them as well. So it's like it's about watching the enemy, kind of reacting to them in the moment, like very much like like I say Twitch, and then kind of building on your reactions with other combos and other things like that. Um, so the combat system is something that I think people who aren't necessarily familiar with Final Fantasy will enjoy. I think a lot of people who who love the, the base Final Fantasy combat already will initially be like, nah, nah. it's a little bit too fast or a little bit too... like. There's a, a lot less kind of stopping and thinking. It's a lot more like they're going to bite your face off unless you do something about oh, like it right thinking, now. So. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, so there's that. I do think that there are a lot of references and a lot of kind of little touchstones in there that Final Fantasy fans will absolutely gobble up, whereas the non-Final Fantasy player will 
it, well, it just will go over their heads. Such as chocobos. Chocobos. chocobos yeah, chocobos in this game. Yeah, in this game. Re- some extremely lovely looking chocobos. They really are. Lo- beautifully oh, animated. Lush- yeah, you can race them, can't you? The great thing about riding on, the, on chocobos in 15 is, is that, um, so like you spend a lot of time in the car, and the car is very like smooth, uh, half automated uh, thing. So like you set uh, a destination, you squeeze the accelerator, and the car will kind of steer itself. Whoever's driving will steer it along the road. So there's very little for you to actually do. Whereas chocobos, you, when you're riding on them, they they kind of half have a mind of their own. So like you you have to actively like like steer them to keep them on on track. So like if you were to just like hold the equivalent of an accelerator pedal on a chocobo and just go for it, they would kind of veer off and kind of go wherever they want. You've got to kind of Keep your finger on the on the on the stick to kind of keep them keep them in line, keep them going where you want to get Smack them to go. So it's a much much more active kind of like you feel like you're riding on something rather than just just sitting back and waiting to get to the next place. Um, plus there are there are all these kind of <laughs> upgrades that you can get for your chocobo by 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 riding on them by training them up. So you can get your chocobo to come and help you out in combat. It'll come and do a big Ooh. old kick <laughs> and sort nice. of that. You can get like additional moves for your chocobo. So like one of the base ones that you have at the start is like you if you're sprinting, uh, and and the controls for like sprinting is so very uh, feels very opponent, you know, from from Zelda. You just kind of like tap the button and like oh, the little stamina so meter goes down. Yeah, it's not it's not carrots. It's like a stamina meter or whatever, but like it's got that feel to it. And then if you hold, I think it's like if you hold like stop and back on the stick, uh, the chocolate will like slide along yeah. along the ground, oh. which is like so satisfying to do, isn't it? When you're just like like steering into an outpost. What's the noise it makes? Uh, Can you do an impression of it? No, I can't. There you go. Quark. Not quark. Walk. What? Can you paint your chocobo? Uh, not in the demo I was playing there. No. Can you put saddles on it? Uh, not in a demo I was playing, no. Count me out. <laughs> you can put decals on your car, though. Oh, cool. Yeah, I put, like, a big, I put a big, um, like, cactuar, which is like a, do you know cactuars? These, like, little monster things that you can Does it find. look like a cactus? It does look like a cactus with yeah, arms and like legs. I think I've seen them, yeah, yeah. And it's got these, like, beady, kind of It's kind of doing eyes. a weird, like, dance. Yeah. It's like but his arms are... Like... I had, like... Yes, I know that. I had a, a cactuar decal, which I, like... Crash zoomed into just its eyes, yeah. so that it's just its eyes were looking out of the front of the car. So that was quite cool. Sounds disturbing. It was a little bit. Well, you can read loads more about Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah. In our uh, in our feature in issue three oh nine, which is on sale on the sixth of October. Um, it's a really awesome feature that uh, uh, Matt has put together. Um, we've got three interviews with uh, three different people behind the game. Um, I believe the composer, the game's director. And the guy the, from the movie, right? Oh, also, yeah, the four, it's a four interviews, interviews yeah. four interviews, because we've also got the director of Kingsglaive, and um, and we've also got a uh, uh, our little thoughts on on the Kingsglaive film yeah. as well, which ties into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also interviewed the art director of the game. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, art director, especially, he's the guy that was responsible for the for the food as well. There's some great so tidbits some nice about the food. anecdotes about that. One other thing I should say before we before we move on as well is 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 the music is is. Stunning. Like we, um, we also had the interview there with Yoko Shimomura, who 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 is the composer. She's done the music for Kingdom Hearts. She's been around for a long time in in terms of games music. If you've played games at all over the last like twenty years, you'll have heard a lot of her her, her songs. So um, it's yeah, really insightful this uh, interview with her that you should definitely check out. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I really encourage people to uh, get out there and uh, grab that. And our latest issue also has, um, uh, it's a split run with uh, four Sp- different covers. What's a split run, Robin? What's a split run? <laughs> so there are four different possible covers um, that you can get, um, and uh, each one bears the face of one of the four <laughs> the four main guys from... Yeah. Uh, from Final Fantasy Fifteen. Which so, one will Progno, you get? Progno, Gladiolus, Ignatius, <laughs> oh and Corman. Okay. Corman. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no. they're the four iconic faces. I like to think of them as uh, the 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 covers very much remind me of uh, a boy band. I like to think of them as like like the the. Um... Are you going to name some boy band members from a boy band that you know about? No, no, because, I was because you the, know about boy bands. I was going for the sort of the generic. There's like the tough one, the smart oh, right. one, yeah. the funny one, and then the like generically handsome one. <laughs> the um, one with the glasses. Um, but they're uh, uh, yeah. Collect them all. Go out there and collect all four. Yeah. <laughs> now I also wanted to get you guys to have a little chat about um, two games that have come out just recently mm. that. Uh, a lot of people are going to be bowled over or bowled over by. I was going to say that a lot of people are going to be squaring them up against each other. Mm. People want to know which is better this year. Every year they want to know this, but this year they want to know even more. They want to know even more, more than ever. I'd suggest <laughs> they want to know what which is better this year: Pez or FIFA. And uh, the office has been full of people playing um, playing both and evangelising about both. Mm. You'll have to uh, pick up our latest issue and the following issue to get our reviews. And find out our, our definitive verdicts. But I did want to talk to you guys. I think you're both on the same page, right? Ben, which... which? I love FIFA this year. Ben loves FIFA uh, this year. Matt, I, are you on the same page? I, yeah. I, 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 it, yes. Yes, I am. Like, but, it's, uh, but it's nuanced. This, this is the thing. I, I think you're going to you, get you, a you good said game like, regardless, I think. You, you said just now, like, it's more... It's it's People want to know more than ever. I think this year, it's, like, been the closest it's ever been. In terms of... Definitely. They're neck and neck. Um, they're not. They're not neck and neck. They're not neck and neck. FIFA, FIFA is the better game. So, for me, FIFA has one standout feature. Go on. It's the journey mode. And everyone knows about this. I'm just going to ex- explain it quickly. The journey mode is a single-player uh, campaign for one person. It's like be a pro, but with cutscenes to mm. be reductive about it. And you play like a, a man called Alexander. He's a teenager, actually. And you get to join a Premier League team. Um, and, you know, you make moral choices and based on your actions on the pitch, you decide the fate of Alex Hunter, which mm. is amazing because football games really have a big standout mode uh, yeah, uh, year it, to year. It, it does feel like the freshest thing to happen to a football game since, probably since Ultimate Team first came out. Yeah, it's what I wanted what, as well. It's 2008, like, 2009? Combat yeah. 9 of football games. Oh, that makes me look at a different way. Yeah, oh, no. that makes me I'd say it's depressed. a telltale football games. Okay. Wow. Okay, that's pretty. But it's pretty it's big. what I what I've always wanted from a football game. It's mm. just like I, I get to live the life of a footballer, not live the life of eleven f- footballers concurrently. Mm. I want to. <laughs> I want to be. I want to play that game. I want to play all of their lives concurrently. I want to be a man who gets to go in his apartment and look over Twitter, and all his footballer buddies are tweeting about him it's like yeah. the this lifestyle is, this is the part of it that I feel has, has probably most ignited your sort of passions Ben is that in game you have a Twitter account that, with a growing follower base as you go it's ignited my passion so much that I went out to um, Sports Direct yesterday and I bought a football yeah. just because I, wa- I, I want 
uh, to have like a little ball that I can kick around in the office, much to the delight of everyone else. Is that a thing that's happened? <laughs> I immediately confiscated yeah, it and put good, it in my drawer. Good I bought it yesterday. But yeah, I'm just really into. <laughs> it's got me into football, and that's what a good good game does. Like it gets you into the world, like. Uh, you know, an NBA game that gets you into basketball. Yeah, I mean, you say like the world of football. Like it's all—it's not necessarily just about the the ten-minute matches that you play in these games. It's all about all the kind of theatre around it, all the stuff, all yeah. the decision making about celebrating the fact that you're that you're in this like in this sport for the time that you're playing it. Which is the reason why I think I I've bounced off pairs this year because even though the core like. Matches the, the games that you're uh, the game of football that you're playing in pairs is really solid and it's I think it's the so, most it's the best it's been for a long time. Yeah, I agree. It's still wrapped up in this, and it's not just about oh well, you don't have the right emblems or you don't have the right team names. It's not just that. It's just, like the 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 package around the game just feels so kind of a bit hollow and empty. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and, and like uh, like when you do something amazing in in FIFA, where it could be like you've you've won the match, which is clen- uh, you know, which is clenched. The title. Yeah, exactly. You Clen- know that when when you when you clenched. when Sorry. the when the full time whistle blows, the game's going to celebrate that in in all manner of ways. It, it, not just in like in like a replay or whatever, but like in the menus, it'll be all over the place. Whereas in PES, it just feels like it'll you you just press next on the calendar. This is on Master League. I'm talking about. You press this next on the calendar; it's immediately forgotten, and it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. sure, fine. F- football is is bigger than you know the 90 minutes that you spend on the pitch. Because mm. if you th- if you think about the regular football fan, how often does he spend watching the match versus how often does he spend going on you know websites and following his yeah. team and all that? It's a lot. It's a lot bigger than just a man kicking a ball. It's like all this stuff around it, and that's what people does so well. It's mm-hmm. it's got it's had a partnership with. Um, I think it's, uh, it's like this score aggregate website, um, and it's had it for a few years now. Where mm-hmm. in the menus it's got up to the minute like info about your your team, and oh, you know Rooney's uh, decided to sign a new contract, and it feels like it's piping in news from the real world into your game. Pez doesn't do that, and it just loses the authenticity points. I think. For that. Yeah, and I mean people will make the argument um, that. Like I say, Pez has the better game of football, and if that is important to you, like if if it's if it's the core kind of arcade experience of just playing a game of football and then turning off the console, or or then just playing the next game of football, that then arguably you you know, and and you're perfectly within your right to uh, uh, you know uh, prefer Pez this year. But if like me and Ben, you're kind of looking for that that wider package. like yeah package, and to to really like plug yourself into this. All-encompassing world of football. Then, if if you played both on mute, and you just did a did a match, Pez would probably be better. Mm. But if you like to, yeah, sink into the world, then yeah, yeah, yeah. is FIFA. And plus FIFA, you got so it's so many modes. Like I play it, as you know, for exactly a hundred hours each yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, as previously discussed. And I, I still haven't like dipped into you know other modes like Ultimate Team for any extended period of time. Mm. All I've been doing. With my time is seasons mode, hmm. and I could I could have been doing career, could have been doing ultimate team, could have been doing carp seasons, I could have been doing the skill games, getting better on that. Hmm. There's so many things I could could have been doing. Yeah. Uh, whereas Pez doesn't feel like it's got that. It's got the it's got the well. my club mode, and it's got the master league. I think master league is always a place I kind of 
go back to because like back in uni days, Pez was Pez was the game. It was the football game. Yeah. Uh, and um, and it was the master league that that made it. Like you'd start up a master league, and then that would get that's like a year of 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 uni, like your football game for the next year or whatever. You're building up your master league team and and, and all of that. But um, yeah, like I just think since. Since the shift to PS3, the kind of the 360 PS3, that's where it started for me. Shift, it's when it's when like the calendar in the Master League got longer, and it kind of it it started trying to pump in realism to the Master League, which was all about like just bizarro kind of fantasy and and all this stuff. Uh, it just felt like a bit too bland and boring, and like oh, when's the next transfer window? When's the next interesting thing that will happen on this? Long path of identical Whereas football matches. He was constantly like, "Oh, you've just finished a match. Jurgen Klopp's been looking at your player, and he, yeah, he loves yeah. him." Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Managers, you got managers, yeah, yeah. and that's an extra yeah. step in the realism what do they ladder. Do, they they're on the sidelines, right? And I've been watching them for a while because I did a feature about every single Premier League manager. They've only got a few things that they do. That they one of them, you know, the, an animation is putting their, their fist up to their chin and looking serious. Mm. Um, the thinker. They can put their hands behind their back. Uh, when you score a goal, sometimes the camera cuts to them on the sidelines cheering wildly. Uh, so there's only a few ways you can interact with them. Can Jurgen Klopp lose his glasses? No, but he has glasses. And he can either put a hat on when it rains or not put a hat on. <laughs> so, so okay, this is next-gen gaming. <laughs> fine, fine. They I'm wear, okay with that. They wear raincoats when it rains. The best thing you can do, though... That's DLC. After you, you score Klopp's a goal... <laughs> you can <Klopp's laughs> removable glasses. Or uh, Wenger's... Solve uh, the mystery of you. Or Wenger's <laughs> But you can actually run over to them um, and celebrate with them, which is really good, if not that realistic, because you can run over to a Wenger who's like... 70 years old now, like late 60s, <laughs> and like pick him up with your like Olivia Giroud and like grabbing a bear hug and like flinging around and fingers like smiling going, ah. but you know he's like bones are breaking. Oh, God. <laughs> and I, I, one time I, I kept scoring with Giroud and I just kept running over to him every single time after I scored and picking him up. And <laughs> like he was, he's a four year old that you just like <laughs> throwing around. I will break your finger. <laughs> have you seen Honey and Blow Up the Kid? Basically. <laughs> Like a massive six foot four kid like, <laughs> running over to daddy going, yeah. <laughs> amazing. So that's that's why I, f- I like the managers in FIFA. You certainly don't get to hug your manager in pairs by the sound of it. Uh, well, no, not that I've noticed. No. Well, that's that's quite the sum up of mm. uh, of things. Um, so you've heard it here first. FIFA's better this year. Go. Fact, objective fact, objective fact, and no one could possibly dispute it. Although you can, and pe- feel, feel, feel free to write to, in yeah. and, and, and do that. Tweet me at Amp Game Griffin. You're wrong, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to send in a wrong opinion, go to uh, uh, send us an email at uh, gamesmaster at futurenet.com or uh, go to our Facebook or Twitter. We're always happy to hear all of your wrong opinions. Uh, and we can just giggle at them in the office. Um, Matt. Hello. There's another game that's uh, that's just come out that... Um, it's another one that people are going to be wondering about, I think. So I wanted to touch on this one quickly mm-hmm. as well. Um, but it might be a bit quick because it sounds like there isn't that much to it. Um, so Destiny's just had its latest expansion, Rise of Iron, yeah. which in theory is the last expansion for Destiny One. Mm. Um, I believe they might be bringing back a couple of the live events. I think you might get to do Sparrow Racing again. You might get to do Halloween again. But basically, this is it. This is the last blast of content. Mm-hmm. Um, is it taken king size? That's, well, that's no, my well question. no, no, it's not taking. I mean, there is a, a new raid. There is a new strike. There is a new social area. There is a new, a semi-new 
uh, like uh, patrol area, um, and there there is a new story campaign. So the story campaign takes about an hour and a half, two hours, maybe two and a half hours if you're particularly rubbish, uh, but it, you can polish it off in a, in an evening basically. Um, and while it's got some good moments in it, the story campaign, I'd say like in terms of like comparing it with the Taken King, like Taken King one was was much was much broader, much longer, but also Taken King has much like a lot more memorable moments. Like Taken King had like the fake out mission, it had these these huge like new boss fights, whereas um, and like a very very visually distinct new enemy in the Taken in. Um, Rise of Iron, the enemy is basically fallen, but with different legs on. Uh, and there are a couple of new mechanics, like, there are, there are certain enemies that if you headshot them, uh, to, to kill them, you, they, they will fire, like, a weird kind of ball of, uh, energy towards you, which will explode. Um, which you have to kind of shoot out of the sky. So, like, there are sp- specific enemies that you're like, okay, I won't headshot these guys, because you're, you're automatically, automatically thinking, headshot, headshot, headshot. But, like, these guys, when you see them, you're like, oh, Body shot, body shot, body shot. So there are a couple of little mechanics like that, but by and large, like visually, things kind of look the same. Um, like I say, Story Campaign has one very, very strong final stage, but the build-up to it is very much like it feels by the numbers, kind of go here, shoot these things, fight this thing that looks like something you fought before kind of thing. Um, the raid, from what I've seen, I haven't played it too much as yet, but what I've seen, it feels like it's the the most visually um impressive piece of work that okay. Bungie has worked on in terms of obviously this is this is the first expansion that that is that's kind of seen them shift away from PS3 and 360 it's the first one when they've been kind of let loose on on current gen machines without having to think about those legacy consoles so it's given them a bit of like rain to 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 do something a bit more spectacular which they have done so there's that um and then when you come to like the new this new strike is pretty gets let's like first time you play through it it's kind of cool but then it's just one new strike just one new strike oh, they they have retooled a couple of the older strikes as well with some of the new enemies and things I guess like my number one complaint with Destiny really at this point is I got so bored of playing those same strikes over and over mm. and over and it's basically there's a certain point or I don't know if it's still the same in this but it, certainly last time around there was a certain point where basically if you wanted to get raid ready. You just had to do those strikes. Over yeah, and I think my my biggest kind of grumble about Destiny over the over the last two years that it's been out has been this idea that like if you want to improve, if you want to become better, then you have to do a certain type of content. Yeah. You have to do a certain certain thing in the game. There's no like other avenue to to get to say max light level or max out your stats. I mean, I look at like MMOs that that like World of Warcraft, Guild Wars two, things like that. Where where it has a similar kind of loot grind in that like you want to get you want to max out your stats you want to get as good as you can be stat wise so that you know when it comes to player skill you you know you've got stats covered mm. um, but I mean in those games you'll have like you'll have raids you'll have um, dungeons to run through you'll have uh, in Guildhalls too you have like dynamic events that happen in the game world you have like big huge meta meta event bosses you have uh, specific maps that have specific stories tied to them you have like the living story which comes out every so often you've got all these avenues through which to to engage with with the world and it's all the same maps it's all the same places but and there, there are a larger number of them purely off the back of the fact that they're making an MMO I guess like a PC based MMO is I guess an easier task than making a persistent world shooter in terms of 
like building things that go in it and feel balanced. But in Destiny, yeah, you 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 kind of you if you want to max out, you have to hit that raid, and that they don't have matchmaking in the raid, so that just immediately yeah. means if you don't have the right like setup at home to be able or, or like like network of friends, like if you're if you've got friends who are playing on Xbox One and PS4, then you you know you're screwed. If you've got if you're the only one with an Xbox One at home and all your mates are playing on PS4, again you're screwed. If like if you're a dad like me and you go home and, and and the time when you when you have to play through the raid is not when your mates will be playing, again you're screwed. You you have to go outside of the game, go on some random website, find randoms to play with, which which would be fine if it was something you did in the game, if it, if you're still engaged in the game world. But because it, they persist in this idea that, like, oh, uh, no, we want we want you to play with your friends. This is how we want you to play. It it's, it still kind of annoys me a little I bit. I think it's, it's testament to how awkward their raid system can be that, that um, me and you and uh, someone else mm. uh, at the office, um, uh, we all, uh, back, back around when Taken King came out, mm. we all took a day off to play the raid mm. and uh, so there was the three of us so we just needed three more people mm. and over the course of almost an entire day it, it was so much faffing about getting people in like replacing people when they had to leave mm. that like we barely we didn't even get past the first boss in the end no. I mean, and we, it was nothing we were also to... rubbish but... well, well you say we <laughs> I mean that jumping puzzle that yeah. was the other thing it's the jumping puzzle yeah. day. but that sucks as well like it, like I was really disappointed with that tanking raid because I think there's really brilliant design in it, mm. but it felt like the whole game was was built around preventing me from ever seeing yeah, that brilliant yeah, yeah. design, mm. and that there was. I, I do always think that like there are some games where it feels like they are built for the most hardcore player, mm. and that if other people enjoy it, that's great. But ultimately, you are not who is being catered for, and I feel like sometimes Destiny feels like that, where it feels like. They're catering for the people who will get together with five mates and play it every single night for mm. hours, mm. and those people are going to get loads out of it. Mm. And for me, if I want to just dip in and have a bit, have a bit of fun, mm. then maybe I'm not welcome. You, 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 you say that, but like in interviews, I remember when we did um, we did a big. Um, uh, it was one of the big kind of specials we did back in in the day when when the Take King first came out, and it there was an interview in there with a couple of the game directors and, and whoever about the systems that they build in destiny so like the idea that there's a light level there's there's your your level there's your regular player level and then there's your light level the reason that exists is because they want players to be able to feel that they can contribute without having to constantly um uh constantly play so it only takes a, a couple of hours of playing a certain type of content to get to light level so like without going in the raid you can all everyone can reach a certain light level uh, just by playing the game, and it doesn't take that long. It doesn't take that much grinding. I mean, you you might you might like farm like random loot drops or whatever. But in terms of like the stats, you can you can play for a certain amount of time to get to a certain position where you can contribute to different elements of the game. Except for, and this is this is this that's what they were saying. Except for in reality, the raid, because to be able to contribute in the raid, you 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 need to be able to go in there with all of these people, and then also like can can commit to a certain amount of time uh, like over the course of a week a set set time as well like it, like if if it was if it was just a simple case of like okay I want to play this bit a bit of the raid um I am playing at this time uh, and I I know that these other people will be playing at this time randomly across like a group or something 
then that then that's that's cool. But have that in the game. Yeah. Like have that. Like there's a, there's a site called the Hundred, which is basically like um, it put, it gathers people like minded people who play at the certain certain time of day. You fill in like a little questionnaire, and then it will it will say, okay, we've put you in this group, like group alpha, whatever. Um, and here are ninety nine other people who like you uh, can play between the hours of ten and twelve in the in, in, uh, night, and who. Uh, like playing this type of content. Here they are, and then in that, in that chat room on on in your browser, on your on your PC or whatever, on your tablet, you can tap away and go, yeah, yeah, hey guys, anyone raiding? Yeah, let's play. Boom, done, and it's great. Have that in and the that's game. Basically, it's, it's sort of reverse engineering the MMO guild, isn't it? Yeah. It's like in World of Warcraft, I just you know all my memories of World of Warcraft have a little chat window in the bottom left, yeah, where I'm chatting with everyone in my guild all the time, you know, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so as... you separate them by their political beliefs because I can imagine it'd be really annoying if you get on with someone, uh, you get on the you get on the same time and it's ten p.m. Yeah, we're ready to go. I wanted to do the exact same raid, and then they and then you find out that they they support Trump or something like that. I don't know that politics comes up that often. Uh, I mean, it wasn't really. a question on the questionnaire, yeah. like you know. But I mean, you can always like not talk to them or like, turn chat off. Do you, do you like cats or dogs? That could separate do, like Beatles or Rolling Stones. I think th- these should come into to play. Maybe you should set up your own uh, Trump-hating cat. Was it cat or you cat or dog? Uh, dog. Dog-loving. Yeah. I don't associate with cat lovers, Matt. Okay. <laughs> You're a cat lover, Robin. I'm a cat lover. Oh, <gasps> uh, what? What have we done? How did this happen? Is this This the is end? why I like Mitomo so much, because I just answer questions endlessly. <laughs> anyway. Have you played Destiny, Ben? <laughs> I literally haven't. That's why I've been silent the whole time. I have okay. no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Why is a strike? Well, uh, don't answer that. We're going to be here all day. There's one last thing about Destiny that I wanted to talk about. Go on. Fine! If this expansion is them spinning their wheels a little bit, if this yeah. is a bit of a content drop to type people over... I should probably just pre- like preface what you're about to say with, it's still very good. Okay. Right? So, like, it's still Destiny, and Destiny is, at its core, a very, very good shooter. Like, the new, all the new uh, weapons, some of the new exotics, new legendaries, new armor sets, all this stuff have... Like really interesting combinations of perks and, and, and traits and things, and there's a lot of of content in that regard to sink your teeth into. And like I said, when it comes to the bread and butter of picking up a gun and shooting it at aliens, it's still very, very, very good. And like, what I was going to say is, go on. Um, if this is the sort of last content drop to tide us over, hmm. and it's maybe not as meaty as some people would like, hmm. um. What would you like to see from Destiny Two? Because we've had um, we've had some details, possible details of mm. Destiny Two uh, leak. Possibly it sounds a bit like a lie it's a bit, to me. Yeah, but re- it's a bit it like, what, this is, like this is, rumory, isn't it? This is alleged by um, uh, by our friends over at Kotaku. Um, they uh, they've had reports um, that. It will be on PC, which I think makes a lot of sense. I would be surprised if it wasn't at this point. Hmm. Uh, Destiny 1, not on PC. But, um, and they've also said, more interestingly, they've said that character progress is going to be wiped. Which, um, the original, uh, when Destiny, when they were first sort of talking about Destiny pre-release, hmm. um, a few years ago now, part of the whole idea of Destiny was the 10-year plan, and that you will carry your character through this game for 10 years, and um, that there will be that continuity of your character. Um and ever since, like, having played Destiny 1 and, like, having a lot of fun with it, but seeing some of the flaws that it's got, mm. I felt more and more 
that they should wipe character progress and mm. start fresh with Destiny 2. Mm. Yeah, I keep, think, keep it in the past. Because I think... Move on. It's clear that there are some problems in terms of, like, with, with the game as it stands, it's clear there are, ter- there are some problems in terms of getting enough content out there fast enough. So I think they should have a clean slate in that regard. They should mm. try and have a... a you know, th- there should be new tech behind this game. Mm. Um, and so if it was a, as easy as bringing your character over, then the game is going to have too many... Uh, it's going to be too close to the, I, the I'll thing. tell you what I think want. is going to happen and I, I, this isn't confirmed this isn't like something I've heard anywhere this it's is, coming, what, straight this from is coming straight from my brain meets is um, and I'm going to refer to Guild Wars 2 again oh here he goes again <laughs> oh, another game I haven't played uh, so Guild Wars 2 had uh, it was obviously a sequel to Guild Wars 1 yep. what? I know right and Guild Wars 1 had been running for like huge of true uh, uh, a long old time and when it came time to wind down work on Guild Wars 1 and, and, and kind of get people to move over to Guild Wars 2, they wanted some sense of of reward for players who had sunk so much effort into into the first game. So what they did was they created this thing called the Hall of Monuments, which was like, um, it was basically in, Guild, in the world of Guild Wars 1, it was like a big old room with like statues, well, pedestals around the outside of the room and each time you did some kind of monumental achievement in the in the game you could put a statue in this or like a tapestry or something in this hall which would then represent a reward when guild wars 2 yeah, came out and so cool. so like if you had 100 percent map completion like you've been everywhere in the world you'd get this big old tapestry on the thing and then when you came you know it would build up your your kind of achievement score so that when guild wars 2 came out you'd, you it would all tot up and it'd go okay congratulations you you earned this amount of achievement in Guild Wars 1, so you get these titles, these items and games, these weapon sets, these armor sets, this kind of stuff. And it would it would surprise me if there was nothing that came over. I, yeah, I yeah, imagine what it would be. It's like, congratulations, you, you finished this, you you know they have the, in Destiny now they have these like uh, record books, like the, the, what are they called? The Moments of Triumph? Something like that. Yeah, so like each, it, like t- Taken King had a Moments of Triumph book, Rise of Iron has one, which is like, when you complete certain tasks, you get certain rewards. Like, I imagine there'll be something where, along the lines of, if you completed this number of tasks in this book, then you earn this reward in Destiny 2. I imagine. doing that for, for a while, which I think is the best move. Like, Mass Effect had a, yeah. a Dragon Age armor if you play Dragon Age. Mm. And I think that's that's a good thing, because the people who haven't played the last game don't feel like they're missing out, and the people who have played the last mm. game feel like they've been rewarded for their time. So You could, you could even import your character's, like, appearance and name and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think I think it does make a lot of sense to have something like um, you know if you if you um, if you beat this boss, then you get this. You start with this special gun and mm. stuff like that. But um, but I think in terms of the actual character level and light level and gear and stuff like that, it's, it's got to be a fresh start. As, mm. as a new player, like I don't want to feel like oh I haven't been playing Destiny for the last three years. Mm. I'm all, all, automatically starting off on the on the back foot. I want mm. everyone to have a level playing field. And if it is coming to PC, which I think it will. I'm gonna get involved. That's the yeah. only reason I haven't got involved in Destiny because it's out on PS4 and I haven't got a console, I've got a PC. I, I also would prefer to play it on uh, on PC. I think I think it'd be a, a very smooth, brilliant looking game on PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it looks bad on console, but I'd love to see it running on a really high end PC. And it would be new gen only, right? It wouldn't it wouldn't have any ties yeah, to the last gen. They wouldn't, so they wouldn't have to worry better. about the architecture of like PS3, for example, which is obviously notoriously tough to to develop for, and then and then port. To like PC or whatever, so that's 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 probably it. That's probably it was probably all in their plan, their grandmaster plan all along. Yeah, uh, not that they would ever tell you that straight. The report did say um, it, it say a report, but 
it's someone on NeoGAF who said, my friend over saw someone on a train, uh, they looked at their laptop and it had plans for Destiny. Is that what came from NeoGAF? Uh, I don't think that is the source of the Kotaku story. No, no, no. no. Oh, so okay. I think I think that, that something went up on NeoGAF, and then Kotaku reported that that something's gone up, and that it corroborated with some of their, their the thing is, Kotaku, unnamed sources. Kotaku is usually very, very good at, at mm. having the real story on this stuff, and they usually have their own sources that they that they check with before they run anything like this. So yeah, so uh, we should not say it's one hundred percent. That's uh, yeah, yeah, happen, yeah, yeah. But... That's the reason why we're even talking. It's not because some rando has just started. Spouting, oh, Destiny Two exists on NeoGAF. It's yeah. because, it's because there are. It seems like certain sources are corrobor- corroborating, and we trust Kotaku because they're very good. And it seems oh, we are. The other thing as well is, I think uh, I picked out um, those two things because, like, it all seems very likely to me. Like, mm. like we know Destiny Two is coming like next year. Mm. Um, that seems pretty much set in stone. Um, and uh, yeah, and I just thought like. It being on PC makes perfect sense, and the character progress wiping makes perfect sense. But anyway, that, that's if they, if both of those things are true, I'll be a happy bunny. Um, and I, I think they friend, could do something really special with uh, Destiny Two. My friend said in Destiny Two you can visit the moon. Might not be true. You can visit the moon in Destiny One. I, I know they might want to make a clean break. Maybe you go outside of the solar system. Destiny yeah. 2. Okay, where where do you reckon you can go in Destiny Two? Because we've explored the in solar the law, system. In the lore of the game, there's a lot of lot of kind of. There are still a lot of places in the solar system that are referred to that you haven't been to. Jupiter, uh, I think Jupiter's referred to, but like cer- certainly like some of the places around. Sat- I mean, there's the dreadnought near Saturn, but there's more places. There are certain like references to like ruins or something on the moons of Saturn. There are. Oh, okay. I mean, we didn't we do a uh, we, what they're like fifty two moons on yeah, Saturn. I mean, sixty in terms moons? of land masses in the solar yeah. system. There's well, and, and there's a lot of room even on the planets that they've that they've already covered because like Earth. you go to Earth in Destiny. Mm. But you, it's kind of the, one of the things that's a bit weird about Destiny is like, you go to these planets, but then you go to this tiny portion of the planet. Mm. And like in, in, on Earth, it's like a tiny area in Russia. It's like basically you go to a town in Russia. And that's... Well, there's the European, uh, map. There's that multiplayer map set in Europe. True, yeah, yeah. yeah. Set but... in Europe. Yeah. How... European all Dead of Zone. Europe. Not all of Europe, but somewhere, name, some nameless place in Europe. It's when, it's when like, the idea of like having a country is meaningless in, in the oh, lore of Destiny no, because yeah, no there's just one city. So no passport in Russia. Well, yeah, so they call Russia Old Russia because it's like this like post-apocalypse. Really, yeah, there's it? no, really there is no like, there, there are no countries outside of. Oh, see, I want to get involved in all of this stuff. I want to know about the Bungie's uh, future. But yeah, n- none of that, future. none of that's like in the game. That's the problem. Is, that is, all of that lore uh, is like on an app. So like grimoire cards <laughs> oh, right. on yeah. the website and stuff. Yeah, this is the problem. Is is it... they brought they did bring more of it into the into the game for De- for Taken King. Yeah, and and there is a lot of like story stuff in Rise of Iron, which is which is really cool. As Can well. I ask but a question? Still... Um, it's never been explained to me. I've been wondering about it for like three years. What is that big white ball in Destiny? That's the traveler. That's the traveler. Yeah. See, no one told me. Uh, it's the travelers a sort of um, a kind of godlike being that has come to save the earth from or all has the alien. It? Well, or, or or does it have sinister intent? Uh, but it, it basically represents light uh, as as opposed to the forces of darkness, which are represented by all the aliens and stuff. You know the little ghost things that that follow you around, yeah, like, like Dinklebot, Dinklebot, and Northbot. Um, those are all f- pieces of the traveler, and the traveler gives people are sent. They're sent out to like revive guardians who. Who can then fight for the for the guardians? For all the guardians are actually um, dead, undead, because they've all been brought back to life by the traveler to to serve as its uh, as its guardians. Soldiers. What does yeah. the traveler sound like? 
Uh, does it talk? I don't think it ever talks. Uh, it speaks through the speaker, doesn't it? Is his name the speaker? Yeah. There, there's there's a guy, it there's sounds a... like Bill Nighy. Yeah. Well, it is Bill Nighy, isn't it? <laughs> it Hello, is, yes, well, that's I'm, why I'm it sounds like Bill Nighy. It's oh, that's it, why. Because it is Bill Nighy. I'm Bill Nighy, and I'm going to be your speaker today. That's my Bill Nye. That's the worst Bill Nye impression I've ever heard. And, well, Bill and it's Nye. so bad that it's made me want to never talk about Destiny ever again. Wow. So let's instead oh. answer a fan question. Let's do it. Um, this is a real long one. Lovely. I um, think. Are you going to read this entire oh, don't, time question? Yeah, it's too long. I think I'll probably get to the sort of the gist of it. And uh, so it's from Daniel Cleaver. You can on skip Facebook. the bit where he said, I love reading your magazine. Because we know that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know that. Dear Gamesmaster, I love reading your magazine. Upon finishing any current. Thank you very much, by the way, Daniel. Uh, upon finishing any current <laughs> edition, I always look forward to the next one. Thank you very much. Um, oh, keeps coming. Uh, there is one thing that's crossed my mind. Why are you so good? The massive leap in quality from last gen to current gen. My question is, do we really need a next gen? Um, so he he goes on to say that uh, for him, um, we've almost reached a peak. Uh, that that for him, he feels like we don't really need to have like a hard next gen, and that that if we do have a next gen console, it will just be a bit of an extension of current ones. Um, and won't feel like as big a leap. And we, we also had uh, Stan Cohen asked, um, what do you think the future of gaming will look like? Which I think was a sort of a similar question. And so we've had a few people sort of asking about this, and I think the PS4 Pro and the yeah. Scorpio probably got people thinking about this. Um, I think it's an interesting question. I think it is, but uh, for me, personally, it smacks of like some guy pre-industrial age going, like, no... We've learned everything we need to know about existence. <laughs> there's we, nothing, there's nothing else invented. to learn. And some scientists are like, yes, but look at this telescope. No, we've, we they draw a line under all knowledge. Not that we're uh, saying Dan Clymer and Stan Cohen are those idiots. No. Um, it's a very good question. It, it is. I think, like, it, like I definitely said, understand it, his, his it, it kind of yeah. it, it thrives on this concern that, like, are, are we almost, like, spending too much money on, like, Upgrades that are just like incremental. Like we want to know that when we're when we're putting you know five hundred six hundred quid down to get like a new four K telly and, and a new uh, a bit of hardware that that it is worth the jump. And like I mean we talked about this extensively last podcast as well. Like is it yet? Uh, probably not. Yeah. See that that's that's where the question is. But, I think for me. But I think in the future, we, there's there's so much to improve. Like just go like combining it with Stanley Cohen's question, where he says, "What do you think the future game will look like?" I think we're gonna look back in in ten years, or maybe maybe twenty, and we're gonna we're gonna think, "Why did we ever hold like a little plastic controller in our hand and look at a TV for ten hours in in a room?" It's gonna feel so. Uh, no, I, I think me. I think us three here will still be doing that and everyone will be like why are you still yeah. holding a plastic controller we're, like, oh, we like we're all playing games on our Google glasses <laughs> yeah. you old men in the future <laughs> we're going to be in the game and we're going to think it was so how did you ever get immersed uh, in a video game where you just sat in front of a little re- rectangular monitor and just looked at it when mm. you could be in the game right now uh, on the you know on the holodeck <laughs> <laughs> but it, at the moment it's not there because VR you have to you have to plug yourself in like the Matrix. You have to put on a big piece of plastic on your head. In the future, when that's all seamless, and you only have to like you know swallow a pill and you're in the game, <laughs> something yeah, like that. That's called hallucinating. <laughs> yeah, just, that, that, you can do that. Don't now. do drugs. But um, I, when you're in the game, that I think that's the future. Hmm. I don't know. I think there's, there's always going to be room for not getting up off your ass to to like to to game like just sitting in front of the telly. I think there will always be tellies. Will, whether they're hmm. like 
actually a screen or like it's a bold prediction from Matt Gilman there will always be, be tele- that's it draw a line <laughs> under it that's it um, <laughs> I think they're numbered so at least I hope there will always be vinyl players I hope there will always be <laughs> yeah. tellies uh, to be fair there still are so. I mean yeah, the idea of everyone walking around with like unusual. Adam Jensen style like oh, shades with, yeah. with whatever it is they're watching projected into their retinas makes me want to <laughs> just cry I love that that's an amazing feature yeah I'm, I'm excited for, for things to get as dystopian as possible <laughs> I, I want to hold up my hand and have a, a camera embedded in my palm and just take what? bits of people what <laughs> by lifting my hand up and just taking pictures so you want to be able to wave to you people want and to take be, pictures of them at the same time you want yeah. to be Inspector Gadget yep I want to be able to you want um, your body to be change the channel on my glasses by you know uh, clicking my fingers bang bang oh MTV bang uh so, so, wait, wait, so this is a future where televisions don't exist anymore, but MTV is still popular. <laughs> <laughs> Music videos will never go it's away. Gonna com- it's going to make a comeback. Um, I did want to kind of just put forward, like, to play sort of, uh, not even Devil's Advocate, really, but I wanted to sort of um, talk a bit about where he's coming from. Go on. Because I do think that, um, that the advances we see now are that much more iterative than they were in the past. Mm. I think the yes. speed of games... I, I, I'm putting VR to one side, because I think VR kind of... Part of what makes VR exciting is that it is one of the first, like, genuinely big leaps in a long time. But if you think about, like, like where gaming was, like, 20 years ago, mm. like, the transition from, like, you know, going from, like, 8-bit pixel art mm. to fully 3D polygonal gaming... I don't see what the next leap of that level is, mm. unless it is virtual reality. But then virtual reality to me doesn't seem like um, uh, it doesn't seem like the future of all gaming. It seems like a, part, a cool a future, like niche thing, like a, yeah. like a cool future technology, but not Another how branch. I want to play all my games forever. Um, and I, I kind of don't want to be in the game in the way that you talk about that. And I, I feel like I, as Matt says, like you don't necessarily always want to be like like it doesn't. Ha- you don't want gaming to be a performance always. You know, it doesn't have to be like you getting completely immersed in something because sometimes you're playing a game but you want to chat to your mate at the same time mm. where you're or like you've got a little you know you've got a child and they're running around the house and you don't want to you don't want to be lost in cyberspace if yeah. they like you know need a drink mm. <laughs> like, I, th- um, I, th- I think what because uh, he, he uh dan brings up uh gta that obviously it's like an amazing looking game gta 5 yeah but, but to say there's there's nothing that you can improve or the little that you can improve. There's so much, uh, you know. You you zoom out from the from the map a tiny bit, and you look at the you look at the scenery, and it's all popping in sometimes, um, especially on 360 and PS3. It's been fixed a bit in PC. Like more power means, you know, all the citizens uh, on screen at any one time. You look at LA. There's hundreds of people on the street. You look mm. at GTA, and there's like one or two because the game can only handle that much. And there's there's so much you can do power wise, um, you know, in infinite draw distances and photorealistic graphics. Like as good as the graphics look on GTA Five, they're not photorealistic. You wouldn't be able to confuse them with reality. Mm. I think that's as when we get there, then I think I'll agree with Dan's point that we can't but go you know, any higher than I, that. I don't, know, like, then, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that you need to that you need to mi- mimic reality to be to be. I like. I, I think I'm no, thinking of things get, like like The Witcher or or, or like Zelda. Games like, try to mimic reality. Yeah, need to mimic reality, right? But okay. games with their own art. So, style like UFC, the next UFC that has like absolute, like it's completely real, yeah. would be better than the, uh, the UFC where you can create 
Barbara Bam Bam Brown. Well, no, that, no, 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 no. That's the thing that makes. That, that's the, not what I'm saying. I think it's making. That's the thing that makes creating the fighters in UFC so funny. Yeah. And giving them weird faces is because so it's because that game does look so phenomenally realistic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so you need realism. That is one of the most impressively kind of... realistic looking games I've ever seen. Oh, mm. It's like that. Yeah. If, yeah. If you never tried UFC, creating a character. Uh, try Do that. it. <laughs> but yeah, no. There, there, are, there will always be like artistic games, like mm. uh, you know, Bound. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that all games should mimic reality, but the one the sports games, for instance, or the races, they mm. uh, they need to. There's still a level that they can achieve above what they're doing now. I think it's more uh, like in terms of scale. Like if you think about something like Elite Dangerous or or like No Man's Sky, like the dream of those games, especially No Man's Sky, where the dream was clearly not attained. But like that 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 idea of something like No Man's Sky can only exist when you have this foundation of Incredibly powerful hardware, right? Yeah, No Man's Sky could never exist on, on the last gen. Like, and we completely bought the the kind of hype before. Well, I we, didn't. We, 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 we were like hoping that it was it, that it was going to be true. But like mm. when we were talking about it before release, we're like, mm, can it be? Can it be? Ultimately, it wasn't. But like Cause that that promise that they they laid down and didn't deliver could only be possible in a future where we have. More powerful, well, and, they, and they did take us one step closer to that. I think. Yeah, 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 and it was it was hamstrung a bit by the technology. Um, like there was there was no you know massive snake monster that was in the trailers, mm. like a mile long snake. There was only a certain number of different animal types on a planet. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, so, only a certain number of things that you could do in that world. Yeah, like mm. think mm. of No Man's Sky two on m- more powerful uh, machines. The PS six. PS six. You're, like you could go down to a planet and there'd be like a massive GTA level city, scale city. Mm. Imagine that. You can't do that now, but with more power. I think the problem that's though is, is what some, you can do. like I think this is kind of, is sometimes kind of the trap of, uh, like when people are kind of thinking about, um, thinking about like hypothetical games or like what a game could be is like there are limits to how much resources developers can put into a game. Mm. So no matter how good the technology gets. If someone has to go in and make all the cities on all the planets that you go to in this infinite mm, universe mm. where you can like go anywhere, uh, right. like, like th- it's not technology that's holding that. And obviously, No Man's Sky solution was randomly generated, mm. procedurally ge- not randomly procedurally generated mm. stuff. But um, but we saw the limitations of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I I counter that with saying like, look at Starbound, a game which. Has that has that promise of No Man's Sky, but on a two D plane yeah. and with pixel art instead of full three D graphics or whatever, and and it and it works phenomenally yeah. well. Like, so it's not a, it's not necessarily a case of can we build a system which works like this. It's more can we build it to the to the scale, like of of something like No Man's Sky two in mm. in you know ten years time or whatever. Like, I, I, and it's it's also making small like if. If you're uh, looking at you know the scale of uh, a game, obviously you can't make it massive and just keep making it more massive because you're going to have to uh, hire more people. The solution to that is making small area more dense, like Deus Ex. Uh, imagine you know uh, a, a sandbox game with a huge the density of Deus Ex but on a slightly bigger scale. That's what I think we could do. <laughs> um, I lost a train of my thoughts. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, I think ultimately, I would like to be optimistic and say that things can always get better, and that there are always going to be uh, things I, that uh, we couldn't, we can't even imagine now that are going to have to um, blow our socks off. That's what I'd like. I to I think imagine. that after you've, uh, when you're editing this, Robin, you should put 
Things can only get better on as like a little sound sting. <laughs> now. Maybe we should just sing it now. I think that's much more allowed to sing before we get to a copyright claim. And before I stab my ears out. Sorry, Brian Cox. But, uh... Brian Cox. Brian Cox. He was the keyboardist in that song. Did you know? Really? Was yeah, the scientist. I did not know that. Uh, what is it? Dr- not Dream to Dream. Um, the band. Can only get D-Ream. better. Yeah, that was the band. It was D-Ream. Oh, I didn't realize was that the was the keyboardist in D-Ream. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, thank you very much, Daniel, for that question. His claim um, to fame. Uh, thank I thought you, that was, Daniel. That, was, that got us thinking about stuff. So and, thank you very much for that. And shout out to Stanley Cohen. Shout out to Stan, who had a similar question. I wanted to his name in there as well thank you for, thank thank you for you your Stan. question Pat. and if anyone uh, out there listening to this podcast wants to ask us a question um, remember you can always email us at gamesmaster at futurenet.com or you can head to our Facebook just google uh, gamesmaster or you can head to our Twitter at gamesmaster and uh, we're always happy to chat and you can also reach us on our personal Twitter accounts I'm at Robin L Valentine well done I forgot that in, half of that in the middle but I got it in the end Ben is that giving you time to remember what yours is I think my Twitter is at GameGriffin. So hit me up there. Matt. I'm at Gmaniacal. But don't bother tweeting Matt because he doesn't care. I, I did a tweet the other day. You've not seen my tweet you the other day. You did a tweet. What did you tweet? Uh, I found a funny label on my jumper. So well, I tweeted look that. that up because that sounds like a laugh riot. Oh, mate. Rolling in the aisles. Oh, <laughs> can I tell you just a quick uh, story about my jumper? I found a really nice one in a in a in a shop and it was like nice and blue and tasteful and conservative and all that and then I looked at the label on the back like a little label um, and it said something like uh, the hypest jumper ever and I was like oh, you ruined my jumper now it's really my, annoying I think my jumper tweet was better you, think, did well, you, you feel like your jumper more was concise. about this jumper was about to like start shouting memes at you or something I felt like it was misrepre- misrepresenting my personality shall, Sorry. I re- shall I read the label on my jumper out Yes, <laughs> you might have to cut me representing finding this is, it. This is this is quality podcast material. I think Robin was just about to play us out there, but we. Oh no, there's him. absolutely time for oh, okay. this. If there's time for anything, there's time for Matt to find Can a uh, to find Can a picture of the label from his jump. Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Mastercast. Okay, here we go. Ready? We apologize. So, authentic garment, natural story. What is allergy? What is pragmatism? Why will fast transatlantic airplanes of the future travel enough through the stratosphere? Is this your tweet? What is television? No, that was a label on my jumper. Oh, right. <laughs> I feel like that's given everyone at home something to think about. Mm. Uh, certainly, it's changed my view on the world. I um, have found God. <laughs> Well, on that note, that's all the time we've got in a jumper. Today. Uh, I mean, if you, if you can find another podcast where you where uh, one of the presenters <laughs> finds God within the length of the episode, I'll be impressed. I think we've got a real USP there. Um, but uh, until next time, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.